Drinking Bros, presented by StrikeForceEnergy.com. Put down the water and grab a fucking drink. Wow, welcome to a special crossover edition of Black Hearted Podcast, Drinking Bros Podcast, and Ross Patterson Revolution Podcast. We had a guest come on named Buck Sexton, uh, who was one of the most fascinating guests we've ever had come on the show. Uh, therefore, we're, we're running across all three avenues that we got here, um, simply for the fact of we've never had somebody come on with such candor and honesty uh, regarding the American news cycle, institutions such as CNN and things like that. And it's, it's mind-altering to think that it's exactly what we thought it was, but actually, you know, having a correspondent who who was on the, the the network for two years come on and confirm our suspicions was uh, was incredible. So this was you know a last minute thing that that we decided to do uh, a crossover episode between all three podcasts. Um, and with that, we've uh, we've got some sponsors, and uh, we're going to go run through that. Um, before we get to this interview with Buck Sexton. Uh, first and foremost is StrikeForceEnergy.com. StrikeForceEnergy.com is the premier energy drink. Uh, you can kick the can, kids. You don't need the can anymore. You can get rid of Monster. You can get rid of uh, Kickstart. You can get rid of Red Bull. Uh, Strikeforce Energy is uh, is a tasty, tiny little tin pouch of liquid that just rips open and, and, it, and it pours in every other liquid you got. Uh, it goes into waters, beers, Kool-Aids, liquors, liqueurs. You name it, go to StrikeForceEnergy.com. Get yourself a subscription of the Month Club. They ship everywhere in the entire world, and they have a 750 milliliter bottle that you can get that can just sit on your counter, and you can boom, boom, pop a couple squirts in and go. Uh, go to StrikeForceEnergy.com. Use the promo code DRINKINGBROS for 20 percent off or use the promo code revolution for 20 percent off uh let's say you're dumb you can't spell drinking bros go to revolution let's say you're let's say you're, you're you're really smart use the drinking bros one uh next up we've got ghostbed.com ghostbed.com is uh is the premier mattress to your door outlets um and they're the, some of the finest mattresses you will ever sleep on ghostbed.com uh, you sleep so good, it's scary. I, look, I've, I'm almost afraid to go to sleep in them. That, that's how amazing and electric they are. Um, and they've got these pillows that are amazing. They're kind of form-fitting to your head. They're phenomenal. Go to, go to ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros for $50 off a mattress. Also, you get three free pillows. Uh, so you can go to ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros, or you can type in the promo code drinking bros at checkout and get $50 off a mattress. And they also have a pay-as-you-go plan. We all have the mattresses, and we, we all love them more than life itself. Uh, next up, we got straightrazors.com. Straightrazors.com is the premier shave that, that, uh, that you really need to get into if you don't have it. Uh, straightrazors.com has is, is got the old school kits. Uh, if you got one of those kits on your counter, you feel like a fucking rock star. L- looks like you're from the, the the late 1800s. You're getting the finest shave available. They've got the number one ranked aftershave in the world. They've got the number one ranked cologne in the world. Uh, they've got beard oils. Uh, they've also got beard.com, which has started now, which is exciting for them. Uh, support the show. Uh, go to straightrazors.com. Try some of that smolder aftershave. That's my fucking jam. I use it every single day of my life. Uh, type in the promo code REVOLUTION on straightrazors.com for 20% off. Get your straight razors on. Uh, next up, we got warfightertobacco.com. Warfightertobacco.com is the premium cigars in all of the goddamn land. Warfightertobacco.com. Look, if you don't have them, go get them and smoke them. They're 100% combat veteran owns. Uh, you can go straight to their sites and, and find the finest cigars ever made. They're made with Cuban seeds, hand-rolled in the Dominican Republic. They're shipped over here straight to your mouth hole. Uh, they got some dope apparel, and they got some humidors there. Big fan of warfightertobacco.com. Use the promo code DRINKINGBROS for 10% off. Uh, last but not least, we have uh, blackriflecoffee.com. Um, we talked about it. They're one of the sponsors of, of Buck Sexton's, Sexton's show. Um, Black, look, Black Rifle Coffee is, is a premium roast to order blend uh and it's some of the finest coffee you will ever have they're also veteran owned and uh it really is the tastiest coffee you've ever had in your life also i look we all have a subscription of it there's a subscription of the month club a coffee club that you can join and you can get deals on other products 
But the subscription of the month club is is the most phenomenal thing that you could you could be a part of because it ships right to your doorstep. You get an email that tells you, hey guys, we shipped it out, boom, and it comes on the same day every single month, and it's cheaper than buying K cups at Costco. Uh, so if you're a K cup guy like myself. It's fucking cheaper, and they ship it right to your house. And if you're a member of the coffee club, it's free shipping, which is which is fantastic. So go to BlackRifleCoffee.com, type in the promo code Drinking Bros for twenty percent off. Without further ado, uh, Jared Taylor and I dig into a sweet, sweet interview with uh, with Buck Sexton. Enjoy, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Buck Sexton. How are you? I'm great, man. Thank you so much for having me. I'm out. Thanks, thanks for being on. You're, you're one of the most distinguished guests in the history. Yeah, of, this is cool. Of either <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I really, I really, I really liked. Uh, I, I, I'm really interested to get into when you took over uh, in Iraq because I think we were there at the same time. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. You got You got a buddy on the show who's who's got the Iraq days. Uh, I think you you were that you you got there in two thousand five, correct? Um, I actually don't. Uh, <laughs> you see, unfortunately, because I don't come from the, the the mill side of things, I don't know what the regs are over there, but I don't really to talk about it because it's agency and they get very um, oh yeah, they you get know? very uh, <laughs> snippy about things like that. So yeah, yeah you know, I was in Iraq, I was in Afghanistan. That's about usually the extent <laughs> of, what, of what I can say on that stuff without. Yeah. You know, possibly getting an angry phone call from uh, the folks down in the you know DC area. Yeah, you know it's funny you say that, Buck. We just uh, finished writing a book for for Matt Best, uh, who's also on the show. We just got uh, notes back from the CIA for redactions, and what you can and cannot say about the CIA is is pretty crazy. They wouldn't let us say James Bond. Yeah, <laughs> they redacted. Wait, they, they wouldn't let you say James Bond in no. the book. Yeah, they redacted the 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 phrase James Bond. Um, and it was it was a sentence that just said, you know, when you join, uh, you don't get any cool gadgets. You know, it's not it's not like James Bond or anything. And they redacted the name James Bond. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's I, that, that's why I, I think you, I'm glad that you've uh, gone through the experience or you know what I'm talking about, because I I just try to avoid in, in any way um, uh, no, annoying or upsetting smart. those people. Yeah. It's, not, it's not an <laughs> operational security issue in that. Like, I, I know what legitimately can and cannot be talked about but when you're talking about a, a, a somebody who used to be in the langley family it's it, it's what you know it's insane what you can't say i mean <laughs> I, I officially cleared that i'm cia i've officially cleared that i served in a couple war zones i've never been able to talk about any of the other any of the other countries i've served in or gone to or any i mean nothing nothing yeah yeah and they, and they redacted most of that as well in the book of you know even certain parts of iraq like Hey, so and so was in northern Iraq. Redaction. Uh, we were, we, you know, you can't use the word site. S I T E. They redacted that. Um, it, it was a pretty wild list of what you could and couldn't say. Yeah. Well. Anyway, I'm, I, so I'm glad you guys know that I'm not trying to be. I'm not trying to be cagey. I mean, I literally, it's like I work for the CIA. I, I'm sure if they heard me making jokes about how I mostly just made lattes, they'd be like, "Well, maybe those were." Maybe those were super secret squirrel lattes, Sexton. You know? <laughs> <laughs> how'd you get started, Buck? How, how, how did you develop this uh, this online? I mean, you're you're syndicated in what a hundred cities. I was really appreciative that we're pretty much almost the same age. Yeah, like that was cool. Yeah, but it also makes you feel like a loser. Like Buck is doing way more than yeah. much, and he's hey. also in much better shape than you are. JP. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me let me first say that I I really appreciate. Um, that Black Rifle is, is a sponsor on the show. I mean, this is at the stage where, you know, people people are, it's like being an early investor, right? I mean, for, for a sponsor to come on at this stage, I mean, yeah, it's a proven product insofar as, uh, you know, I'm on, as you mentioned, I'm on in over 100 stations, so I'm syndicated nationally. Uh, but, you know, I'm certainly not at the, uh, at the Hannity, Limbaugh, uh, et cetera, level of syndication quite yet. And so any company that comes along is like, look, we, we respect what you do. We like we like the show. We like the tone, and we think there's a partnership here. I mean, that really feels like it's like early stage investors. It's like uh, you know somebody joining a member of the fa- you know becoming you, a member. You of have the a family, good so relationship. It's not an empty. It's not an empty sponsor. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, and that, and so it really does mean a lot to me when I and when I say that on air too, and that for anyone listening, you know, these guys are. I'm telling my audience to put their their money where their mouths are in terms of supporting veterans and and a great company and and a really cool brand, which is what you guys at Black Rifle have created. And also from a personal perspective on the radio side, you guys coming along and being willing to partner with me just shows that you know you you also appreciate the the content, the effort, and and the point of view that I'm putting out there. So thank you for that. Uh, in terms of where I uh, how I got started in this, I'm a I'm a weird case study of somebody who had like no interest in going into media whatsoever um, or really? no interest, but no, no, no plans whatsoever to go into the media business. Um, I was, uh, I was uh, agency, which as we know, that's, uh, that's about the extent of, of what I say. Uh, <laughs> I was agency for a while and, you know, making coffee, lots of paperwork, really, you know, really crazy James Bond <laughs> stuff. Um, and, and then I, you know, but I did some interesting stuff there and I, I learned a lot, uh, to be sure, and learned a lot about government. Anyway, I, I left there and went to the NYPD intelligence division, uh, for, which does counterterrorism work here in New York City. That was really just because I wanted to go back to New York, quite honestly. I wish I could say there was a, a huge, brilliant plan behind this other than, I mean, honestly, I wanted to be in New York because of where my family was, where my friends were. And like, I wanted to party up here. Like, quite frankly, I was in my late twenties and I was like, you know what? New York is where the action is for me. Like, D.C., too many dweebs running around saying, you know, I work for congressman so-and-so. Like, I just got sick of it. So I decided that I was going to go up to New York. Um, and I was up here, and, I mean, I went through, and I think that this is something you guys talk about on the show. So I went through that whole process of trying to sell my government experience or my background to future employers and and it was it was humbling, man. I mean, because what you get, especially when you say I'm a former CIA analyst, there there are two things that that come up. You know, people are like, okay, that's cool. Like, tell me about it. And then you can't really tell them all that much because you know, as we've been discussing on the agency side, there's a lot of a lot of blocks uh, for all that. Yeah, um, you know, real and crazy. And then uh, you also get into well, how does that translate into what I'm doing here? I mean, guys, I sat in on so many, as soon as I sat in on, I sat down for so many interviews. I sat down with people from Wall Street and whatever, and it was always like, yeah, I mean, it's cool. Like, we're glad that you did your whole counterterrorism thing at the agency. You know, that's that's cool, but it's not really a skill set that we like or that we can use here. And I'm like, uh, okay, what do, you, what do you guys do? What would you say you do here? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so, I mean, there, there was that, and, and that was a frustrating experience. So I actually ended up applying to to uh, grad school, and I'm sorry if this is turning into like Buck Sexton's audio autobiography. No, but, I, look, I, look, this, I, dude, this I have to. What like, we want to know. I have to go into this before we get too deep because I have experienced exactly what he talked about just a minute ago. When Matt and I were in D.C. for uh, the premiere of Range 15 last year, we went out one evening with uh, Florent Groberg, Medal of Honor recipient, and he lives right downtown. And he took us to this this bar right there, and it was like a weekday, right at 5:30. It flooded with just my nightmare, like guys in suits that took their suit jackets off and then just drank and like all you, I just, I was, I was like, God, listen to this. And you just hear, yeah, so then Senator so-and-so says this, and they're like, <laughs> are you guys going to play golf this weekend? I'm like, I want a Molotov cocktail this place. It's like, <laughs> it's like that dinner scene from American Psycho where they all have their hair slicked like I mean, I, you know, it, it's, for me, in, in New York City, I mean, one, I'm from here, so I just have that huge bias, and my whole family's here, so right, I'm automatically going to like it more than D.C., but in New York, for people who have spent time here, if you're okay with the city, I mean, if you don't like cities, you're going to hate New York, right? But if you're okay with the city, you can kind of make this place what you what you want of it. There's very different neighborhoods, very different fields, yep. and it's so big and so much going on that you can kind of create your own life here. To your point about D.C., like, you're going to hear some dude be like, yeah, I work for Congressman so-and-so. Like, I, you know, There's no way around that, right? Like, if you are out in the city, in the District of Columbia, proximity to government and connections to government power are the currency that people use, not just professionally, but also socially, and it just gets so it's, annoying. It's <laughs> almost, yeah, because it's almost, it's a subculture, almost like Hollywood, but in a different sense. Whereas in Hollywood, everybody has this sense of power as they achieve, you know, their rise through the ranks of... Yeah, but everywhere, everywhere like you go, you somebody's say, got a script. Yeah, somebody's got a script, somebody's got an idea, they're if, there for, for... If I don't like you or I don't like what you say, my power is I'll make sure you don't work here. 
Well, right. the same thing in D.C. It's this altered sense of power of, you know, if they get in an argument or they don't, they don't, they, they want to win it. It's okay. Well, you obviously don't know who I am. Like, right, right, right. Great. You work for Senator fucking Dickface. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so you got out of there and you went to New York City. You, you went, you went back to New York City, and and then how did you, how did you come up with uh, uh, trying to get into radio and trying to break in? So, so this is where things get get kind of just really random and out of nowhere, and why I feel like, in a sense, it's it's helpful for people that want to make the government to private sector transition, but also. It, it, it has definitely scared some people away because what I did in retrospect was crazy. Uh, so I, I applied to business school, which I will say for the for the any mill folks, you know, former mill folks or active or thinking about getting out listening, business schools love veterans. They love military experience. I was not a veteran, so I didn't actually. I was kind of in this weird category of like, well, you kind of served your country, but I mean, you know, I don't. You're not actually, you know, a veteran, and so you. But if you are a veteran and you're ever thinking about that transition, unless someone's going to go the route of what you guys have done, start your own business right off the bat, um, getting an MBA is actually. I mean, like, and I mean the top schools. They love and all these veterans from these different veterans organizations within the business school community. I kind of tracked them down and like they would, and they were so, you know, we talked and, you know, we shared stories about all the stuff that, you know, one does when you've been on, you know, uh, Uncle Sam's payroll for a while and they were great and, and they were really helpful in navigating that process. And so I applied to business school while I was at the NYPD intelligence division and, and my, my whole thing was like, I'm out of government. Like I'm not doing this anymore. I'm done. So, and and through that process, um, I, I actually ended up getting into a couple of great schools uh, here in New York City, which is where I really wanted to be anyway. I got an email from somebody, because I, like I said, I had been out there like anyone who knows anyone. I mean, I was just pounding the pavement. Like, I want to, you know, I'll go work and do uh, like private sector uh, foreign policy analysis stuff, right? Or I'll go, I mean, I'll do, any, I, I hung out with guys on Wall Street. I sat on a trading desk, I remember. It was like a meeting through a friend of a friend. And this guy just kept looking at me like, you have no finance experience. You don't even know bond math. Like, why am I even talking to you? And I was like, dude, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm here because someone told me to come here. Uh, I applied to B school and I finally um, got in and was weeks away from going. And somebody said, you know, I've got a friend that you should talk to. And I'm like, oh, okay, fine. So I, I, have a, I send an email out, you know, and, and she's like, oh, well, I heard about you at a conference, and I'm starting this website, and I think you should come, you know, you should come talk to me because maybe you'll want to write for us. And I'm like, well, I'm going to business school, so I'll be able to contribute when I'm in B school. Long story short, and then I'll, I'll stop and catch a breath here, um, it was the president of the blaze a woman named betsy morgan and she had been picked by glenn beck who had just left fox to start his own thing to run his website because she had been the ceo of the huffington post and i sat down and she's like well i know you have an you know an intelligence background what are your politics and i'm like well i'm also really conservative and she's like what and all of a sudden that day in that room she made me a job offer and i decided not to go to business school basically on the fly wow Wow, uh, because of because of the company and, and what they believed in, or or did they say, "Hey, you're immediately going to go into radio"? What was that? What was the conversation like? I uh, I remember talking to them just about what the the plans were for the Blaze, which is now based out of Dallas. It, it used to be based out of New York, and so this was Glenn Beck's company that was going to be. I don't think you'd say a, a competitor to Fox because Fox makes like two billion dollars a year, and that's sure. quite a grandiose statement. But like an alternative, conservative media entity, and and initially had some really big ambitions. Uh, and they told me like, look, you're going to have a lot of opportunities here to do different stuff. And Betsy, who was the who then later became just the straight up CEO of the company. Uh, did a great job of selling me on it. She's like, you can work from home, try it for a year. And this is the other part of it too. She's like, if you don't like it in a year, I'll write you the best business rec business school recs ever. And you know, that one or two schools that you didn't get into, I'll like help you get into them. Right. So I'm like, okay. Oh, wow. That's a good back deal. To my, I just wanted to be in New York and like give it a whirl, but I love media. I've been a Fox news grudge report, you know, just diving deep into all that stuff since early on in college and honest, probably in high school. So I figured, okay, I'll do a little writing for them, and I, they hired me as an associate editor uh, for you know not very much money and no job security. But I figured, you know, let's give this a whirl. 
And I had no journalism experience whatsoever, and I just kind of started out writing for them. That's great. That's <laughs> that's a crazy story. Um, yeah. Especially My parents were like, are you sure? I'm like, I'm definitely not sure, but why not? Let's give it a shot. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, uh, to me, because like I, I first learned about The Blaze, and I don't know if you guys are, are oh, yeah. the same, where uh, online clips is where, uh, you know, with uh, Tommy Lahren. Um, those started burning up my Facebook, and that's where I initially found out about the Blaze. Um, when when did you first start there? Uh, like start being an on online you know personality, an on air personality. I'm, so I'm I was like one of the earliest, and then one of the longest surviving members of the of the Blaze from a talent perspective. They brought me on when they launched. I mean, I was there for the launch of GBTV, which then became the Blaze TV. And that was back in 2011. Wow. So they they brought me on as a writer. And I was just another, there were like 30, and not a single writer from when I started, by the way, remains there. <laughs> there were like 20 <laughs> or 20-ish guys who were all different writers. And, you know, and I learned, the, I learned the business in the first, I'd say the first six months or so, almost exclusively from the uh, perspective of like, I'm a website writer, you know, what are the metrics, what headlines do we use? Uh, you know, audience interaction with the comments and everything. So I got a really good sense for how that business goes. And I learned very quickly that in a, in a clickbait infested universe, uh, you need to create, you know, you need to do more than just write if you want to be in this business. And uh, as importantly as anything else, uh, you also need to understand that you're very, very replaceable. So I was like, well, what else can I do? And that's when I kind of made this pivot into doing some of the TV at the Blaze, and then radio was actually the last thing I did. Wow, yeah, I, that's crazy. Yeah, because I, I see you're doing America now, and that's you know what? It's three hours. Um, that's that's a long time. That's not just yeah. a, an hour Ooh. segment anymore. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I think what happened was that I started doing the the TV at, at the, the Blaze, or it was GB TV at the time, and then they realized we probably shouldn't have a TV channel just named after Glenn. That's a little weird, so they changed it to the Blaze TV. And, uh, you know, that, that was, I had a facility for that. You know, I had done a lot of briefings, a lot of high-level briefings at, at the agency, and it's just, I'm a, I'm a reasonably talkative guy. Um, and I, I also... Uh, having a background where you actually kind of know stuff, I didn't have to play the the journalist role of like I'm just here to ask questions. Like I actually knew some stuff, right? So we want to talk about how a terrorism investigation works. I'm like, well, I've done these before, so I, I don't have to sit here and be like, well, random guest that yeah. we booked, like tell <laughs> yeah. me some stuff. I'm like, I'll tell you some stuff, son. Like sit down, you know. So that was that was a really helpful early stage, and you're seeing that a lot more, by the way. I mean, you know, I go over to Fox now, and there's like there's they're SEALs, there's former Marines. I mean, you've always kind of had the, the old generals at CNN in these places that, yeah, you know, You left, had like, some time at CNN, though, didn't you? I'm sorry? Did you have some time at CNN? I was at CNN for two years as, a, you, as a, you, an on-air contributor. Did yeah. you like that? <laughs> yeah, how was that Ooh, environment? Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, still, I still want to tell you how radio started, because that's an interesting little side note. But uh, CNN, he, here's here's the what I what I'd say about it. Um, CNN is a place where if you're just looking to do one thing on TV as a conservative, that can be okay. Um, meaning if you want to do like national security analysis or you're going to be a healthcare guy, but if you're going to be a generalist, you're just going to get ambushed. I mean, you're, they're just going to put you on TV. I, I, I wish I had pulled, I mean, I, I still probably have in my email, some of the requests that I would get, like they would never have me on to debate an issue and give me fair time and actually treat me respectfully. But I'd get emails or something that say, you know, Dr. Ben Carson just said something strange about being in prison and being gay. Do you want to come on and defend that? I'm like, nah, I think I'm going to pass, guys. <laughs> you, I have a divine hatred for Don Lemon. Yeah, Jared, you'll never find a guy who hates uh, Don Lemon more than than, than Jared Taylor. By <laughs> We're that. not even sure why at this point. No, it's honest. because anytime something like specific happens, he makes the dumbest statements like that a human could make. Like, yeah, it's, it's just like, oh my god, why did anybody give you a stage? Unless that's the goal. Like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> the but goal is let's get somebody to say the stupidest fucking thing. Well, let me ask you, Buck. When the camera cuts at CNN and they go to commercial over there. 
Is there a like a laughing, joking manner about about what you're talking about? Do people genuinely get along or 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 not? Is oh it- no, I mean it depends. I you guys brought up Don Lemon show. That's actually one I used to do over at CNN a fair amount. And I was on there. One of the better known CNN clips of me is I'm sitting there talking about the response. I forget which major terrorist attack in Europe it was, but it was one of those where we you know, we had that it was a lot of casualties and uh, and it was. It was a mess, and I'm talking about what the, what are the kinds of responses that you know European CT units are going to take, and and also what what how this will affect you know cooperation. You know, it's the same script for pretty much every one of these attacks, right? I mean, there's there's not that much differentiation, and then depending on the way somebody's politics fall, it's either oh my gosh, like we have to worry about Islamophobia, or it's like maybe we should stop taking like a million migrants from war torn. Muslim countries without knowing who they are. I mean, that's that's the way that, that it always tends to go. I was on Don Lemon's show, and and they had some woman on there who's Palestinian, and and I've seen I, I know who she is because her job is to just go on on TV and call everybody like an Islamophobe and a racist and has no particular expertise or background <laughs> other than being kind of a, a socialite. And and she and I'm talking. I'm like, yeah, look, you know, this is what I think the CT services in France. It was a French attack. I forget which one. In France, are going to do, and she's just like, well, you're not a Muslim, and you're not an Arabic speaker, and you don't know anything. And I'm kind of just like, okay. I, I was kind of like, I was so taken aback because what I realized is that they brought her on to that show to attack me as Republican white guy, even though I wasn't on the show to give a Republican white guy. I'm just talking about like this is how. This is how the response. Sure, yeah, sure. yeah I'm, I'm just talking about the response. I'm not even making a, a politicized argument. And she just came at me because that was the way they had set up the segment. And I was like, okay, well, when I was in Afghanistan trying to stop people from lopping off people's heads, like, I don't know what you're doing, but, you know, and it kind of started to go down there. And they went to commercial. And then we, she's like started, to, she kind of continued on with me. And I'm like, I'm like, look at all these so-called CNN experts you have. None of them have even served in war zones. None of them speak Arabic. None of them know a damn thing. You're calling me out? I mean, it got hostile in the break. And I, wow. I turned to Don. I'm like, we got to, this is, this is BS. Like, she's going to attack credibility. This is nonsense. I, I want our chance to respond. And they were like, we will cut to commercial again, and you will be gone if you do that. You're kidding me. <laughs> you know, that, that just that's solidifies. How, that's how it goes. That's like, no, solidifies. we're moving on. No, absolutely not. No. And, and it just is a classic example of, you know, it, it's all staged over there, man. You're, you're, you're yeah. getting ambushed. Yes. And what I realized is that you actually can't win. Like, I figure yeah. I'm smarter and a better debater than 90% of the people that CNN has on to represent different liberal points of view, right? Yeah. And maybe 90% is generous. Maybe it's not. But something like that in my mind. But it doesn't matter because when they bring you on and they have a host who's also a Democrat and some other like yelly, shouty, usually person from like a protected status group among Democrats Professionally to also offended. jump in. It's, yeah, it's two on one. And what happens is, you know, like the classic CNN setup for me would be like, okay, like let's talk about you know the latest in the election. And and over here we have Democrat talking about Hillary Clinton. So tell me, Hillary's so wise, so smart, and so beautiful and talented. You are too because you support her. What's that like? And the person gets to talk a little bit. And they go to me. They're like, Buck, we found this tweet from somebody under handle white supremacist evil baby killer nine two nine and he's saying something about how Trump is gonna win. Are you a supporter of white supremacist nine two nine baby killers I get here? And you're just like, uh, uh <laughs> first of all, I, I mean they've actually done this to me. I, I have you know, I haven't even seen the tweet they're referencing. I don't even know what they're and I have the emails where they're like, we just want to have a, a discussion about where the polls stand, right? But it's a joke. It's it's a it's a ruse. You're watching Kabuki theater, right? It's all very stylized. <laughs> so so I left. I left after after two years, and I'm just like, this is not. I don't I don't need to be in a position where. I mean, one of my favorite moments was actually they asked about uh, troop levels in Afghanistan, and uh, and. I'm sitting there, and I'm like, okay, let, let's have this discussion. And they didn't really let me talk. And they went to Van Jones, and then before they let me respond to Van, who had, take, you know, had taken shots at what I was saying, I was just like, well, I've actually been in the damn country. This yeah. guy doesn't know Van his, Jones his ass from his elbow shit. about this. And they like went to commercial right away. And I'm like, this, this is CNN. Like, hold on a second, Buck. Van is speaking on Afghanistan. I'm like, 
I, I guarantee you couldn't even name the three the three main ethnic religious groups in Afghanistan. Like it's just nonsense. But that's what you deal with over there. Yeah, and, and I think that's what the the general public assumes. But actually, hearing out of out of someone's mouth who's actually been on there confirms it. Where it's just because it seems that way as as an audience watcher, you yeah. know, oh, yeah. uh, like myself, where I'm like, man. There's got to be something else going on there behind the scenes, and then when you you know you find like that uh, uh, that gravitas piece where you know they're going up to Van Jones asking him about the Trump Russia thing and whether you know he says it's a big nothing burger, uh, aren't they just following stories like that and just constantly <laughs> hammering it home to 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 get their point across um, with with CNN and oh. Trump and Russia and everything? Oh, of course. I mean, it's, it's all the whole thing is so politicized and so obvious and. Uh, you know, I can tell you, for example, on, on the Hillary on the Hillary emails early on, they had me on a few times, but it was kind of a breaking you know a breaking news story. People were still getting getting it all uh, figured out, and I was like, look, I had a security clearance. I got to tell you, if you're sending emails that have classified information in them over and over again, this would be a huge problem. This is illegal. This is not something. And they were like, oh, well, that's just your opinion. And, you know, no, no, I think no, that's going a law. No, it's Everything that I on said, the documentation you sign when you get your clearance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, but, but, but everything that I said early on was 100% true, 100% accurate. And what I realized is that the more that I was hammering this and the more that I was right, the less I would get booked on that topic because they're like, well, we don't, you know, because they're going to put up like, you know, some some uh, journalist from the Daily Coast or Talking Points Memo or wherever who's never held a clearance, doesn't know what the hell they're talking about, and then me, and I'm going to win, and that's not part of the agenda. So, And there were a couple of people who were straight up ducking me, meaning they would set me up, because the way it is is the bookers will set it up, and then a senior person for the show will review, and they would set me up against one of their protected Democrats, because there are some over there that are, like, revered, right? Like, oh, this person's so amazing. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I get a call, oh, no, that person can't do it, so we're going to cancel the segment. I'm like, you mean that person realized that they were in for a, for a book whipping, right? Like, that's what's going <laughs> to happen, and they duck because they're smart. And that happened all the time, but you never hear about that. No, no, of course not. That, that, that would definitely not fit into uh, the CNN's power over there of, of, you know, their host of the smartest. Dude, I just can't wait for the, the, the headlines. You know, Don Lemon falls off a ladder. Lose his leg, man. <laughs> J- Jared's Jared's Don Lemon hatred goes goes to a deep, deep level. Yeah, um, I think I, I think it's he was he was nicer to me. He was nicer to me than most of the other hosts over there. There were a few that that flatly refused to have me on their shows. Flatly refused. Who who were they? If you can name them. Uh, I can't because the only way I know about the flat refusal is people on their staff telling me and they can get in trouble. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. I think I think mine started with when Don Don rebutted a statement that the uh, the sheriff of Detroit or the chief of police of Detroit or Chicago, you know what I'm talking about, the black guy. That, that always comes on and, and makes a big Clark. statement. Yes. Yeah. That's Milwaukee, yeah. right? Or was it? Is oh, it? Milwaukee. Yeah. 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 Sheriff David Clark. So, yeah. yeah. So, so Sheriff now. Clark like put out a very well-spoken statement on an incident, and Don just said the dumbest thing in the world. It's just like you are, you, you've never been in real life before, have you? Yeah, yeah. Like, it, it was it was basically you know Don Lemon refuted his like an Uncle Tom type situation, and uh, yeah, I, look, I, but I think that's all for ratings too, wouldn't you say, Buck? Like they you know they bring all these people on, knowing that they're going to purposely tear them down, uh, and in especially in in uh, protest that are like, all right, cool, you know, there's going to be a hot button issue, you're going to get some ratings out of this. That, that's got to be what's going on, obviously, right? Oh, oh! For, look, the, the the issues. Whenever they can tell a story about racism on any of these networks, whatever it may be, it's they, they consider it a big ratings driver, and they're usually right to, to the degree that it, it couldn't be any more obvious what the, what stories they're interested in telling and what stories they're not, based upon the race of the assailant or the race of the police officer who may be involved. Whatever it is, I mean, I remember seeing the live stream out of Ferguson where there's like whole buildings are on fire it's nighttime you can see you know they're, they're literally burning down parts of that city and they're like well it was a you know mostly peaceful protest going on here and you're yeah, like yeah mostly peaceful like wow you know that's, and that, that's quite a way to describe it and that's and what they're that those lower thirds say you know where it's just like whoever writes those lower thirds for for cnn 
boy, it's got to be a team that just sits there and th- thinks of like, how can we spin this at the I bottom? I think it's probably a comedy writer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's probably well, like- I, I've actually always been a little bit more okay with, and then from the beginning, I did MSNBC a few times, and they had me on once against Glenn Greenwald on uh, jihadism, and it was early in my TV career, but I still know more about it than he does, and, uh, and that came across. And, you know, because he pulled the usual, like, U.S. foreign policy creates Islamic terrorism, right? That was his. And he, and he went so far as to be like, well, Buck worked for the CIA, so he should know. Like, the CIA creates Islamic terrorism or something. And I remember responding along the lines of, right, that's why, that's why you have uh, people all in countries all over the world having problems with Islamic terrorism because of U.S. foreign policy, right? This is why you have Pakistani terrorist groups uh, going into India and killing as many polytheists as possible because of U.S. foreign yeah, policy. Yeah. Or it's the Tamil Tigers stupid, or something, yeah. That's really yeah, it, it's such a, exa- I mean, yeah, it's such a dumb point of view, but it gets well, a lot of play on the left. But that was my last time at MSNBC, but i got to say, at least with MSNBC, you're kind of like, all right, I mean, they're all going home wearing Che and Hammer and Sickle T-shirts, but we all know that, and there's a sort of honesty to it, so I'm a little more okay with that. <laughs> I feel like a lot of the hosts at CNN are every bit as liberal as what you get at MSNBC, and the coverage and the stories are every bit as liberal, but you don't have the same degree of upfront, uh, you know, honesty about it. So sure. that's where I think it, it can be a problem, and that's why Trump going after them for being fake news and all that stuff is has resonated so much because people it's see really it and they're funny. like, yeah, it's really funny. I mean, did do any of you think that any of the major anchors there voted for Trump? A single one of them? No, I mean, not, I bet, not one. I bet whatever money somebody wanted to bet. That you know you wouldn't get Anderson Cooper or Wolf Blitzer to come out and be like, "Yeah, I voted for Trump." Yeah, not not in one million years would they. Uh, and by the way, speaking of Trump, where were you election night? Because uh, I think everybody has the same shocked story and can remember exactly where they were when Trump won. Where were you that night? Um, I was uh, at home in New York City because the Blaze didn't bring me to Dallas. Um, didn't bring me to Dallas and. Uh, they thought it was going to be over and that Hillary was going to win, as everyone did. And I remember being at home, and when Trump won Florida, I actually had a home radio rig set up, and I was able to get uh, get on and and say, "Hey, um, guys, he's going to win." I just I popped <laughs> into an ongoing live stream on radio for the Blaze Radio, and I'm like, "Guys, he's going to win," and and it hit me. And I walked around New York City that night. I remember it was. There was a there was a shock as in like I'm like no way that just happened. But then walking around New York the next day where I live, it was and, and I don't mean to I'm not comparing the events, but in terms of the energy on the street, um, it was similar to Hurricane Sandy, meaning that there were just people walking around in this zombie state of like oh my yeah. god like yeah. what have I been through? And the city was <laughs> the city was in mourning. I mean the whole the city of New York was in mourning because Trump had won, and you could feel it, you could see it. It was crazy. Yeah, I, I, I was there. Uh, Matt and I were there, um, and uh, he had never been. A, a, you have a funny story about the hotels there, right? Oh yeah, yeah. We had a so Matt and I were there. We we had sold this uh, book uh, based on Matt's life to to uh, to Penguin, and we were there to meet all the executives. Um, they they it's exactly like you described. Everybody in the city was was very zombie like kind of walking around um all the hotels were sold out because they were going there to celebrate hillary's victory so we had a really hard time getting a hotel um you know no one thought obviously that trump was going to win so everybody was getting ready for that uh that glass ceiling party uh over there and uh and then there was protests in the streets uh, later on that night um did you go live during all that stuff as well Oh yeah, I was actually when I I went to one of those protests because it was so close to my apartment and people were yelling "Not my president" and all that same, stuff. I same, remember yeah. that very well, and I remember also wanting to tell them like, "Well, technically, guys, technically <laughs> speaking, you don't <laughs> he, actually he get is your president. Yeah. yeah, he kind of is your president." Uh, I I remember uh, also being so annoyed with myself the next day because it just didn't occur to me when the news was coming in that I was a. 10 minute cab ride away from the the straight up Hillary victory party where everyone had already assembled to celebrate the victory. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. They were already there, champagne, <laughs> yep. ready to go. You know, they're going to have a fireworks show, which they actually canceled the day before. <laughs> and I'm like, this was my best opportunity in life 
to go do a straight up cannonball into a vat of liberal tears, and and I, I missed it. So I'm very annoyed with myself. Well, I, to 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 your credit, though, it was really late because we did a show. We went on air. Uh, literally, the second they announced Trump had won, we we did a show on air, and I want to say because we had had a lot of drinks that night, um, and we were celebrating, and I want to say it was just after two a.m. or like one thirty a.m. somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, so you going over there that late? Uh, I, I don't, boy, it, it could have been vicious for you. It could have been vicious. Oh yeah, no, I mean, and also there's always that slight. That slight possibility that somebody, you know, from an elliptical machine from a gym here in New York City might recognize me from being Chiron, this like evil Trump supporter over at CNN, <laughs> uh, and and that might have gotten that might have gotten a little awkward. So, uh, you know, yeah, dude, uh, the, re- just, the reaction videos of that night alone will live forever. I still, they're amazing. I still watch the them like they're, they're Michael Jordan highlight tapes of the yeah. Bulls during the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> like occasionally I'll just pop on those those uh, those liberal videos the day after um, that are all scored, especially the Rachel Maddow one um, <laughs> where she's like this is real. This is this is happening. Yeah. Um like I'll just watch those like like Jordan hitting that that game winner in in 99, you know? So um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I just never get that emotional about about politics. I, I can't imagine feeling that way about this. Uh, and and it just, you know, I was expecting that Hillary was going to win, and so when that didn't happen, I'm like, all right, well, let's see. But it wasn't like, oh, now you know, this is the dawning of a new era, and Trump's going to fix all of our problems, and everything's going to be awesome. It's like I live in New York. I'm still paying way too much in taxes. The federal yeah. government still sucks. Oh, it's God, not going to be better tomorrow. Chris it's Christie. not going to be better in five years. I hate him. <laughs> Chris Christie Chris is Christie. in New Jersey, bro. I know. I hate him, though. Yeah. Well, he didn't get on the plane, so he's not on the cabinet, apparently, after watching that Steve Bannon interview on 60 Minutes. <laughs> um, that was the excuse for that. Uh, let, let me ask you this. How do you think Trump's doing as a whole as a president right now? You know, it's it, there's a lot of the good stuff was, was front-loaded. Um, the best being Hillary losing and then all the liberal tears we're talking about. So there was so much momentum with it. Uh, and, and I think the, uh, the Gorsuch nomination to the Supreme Court, Gorsuch elevation to the Supreme Court was really important. Yep. The regulatory climate stuff is good. And just being able to uh, talk about some of the stuff that Trump has been legitimately like a human battering ram on, whether you're know, talking about the media and, and just the, the culture wars that's happened in the country. So all that stuff's been good, but that's been there from the beginning. I'm not going to lie. Some of the more recent stuff has been, uh, you know, it's it's concerning to me. I mean, that, that Trump may go along with Pelosi and Schumer on, on an amnesty deal, that he went along on the budget, that he hasn't gotten any actual funding from a wall. And and the repeal and replace of Obamacare, which who knows where that will be. I mean, I know the Senate's saying they've got something cooking, but but it's early, right? So this is, yeah. a, I'd say it's early. You know, I'd say so far, I, so, so far I'd probably give Trump a B plus based on my expectations, and I'm not going to give him an A. Uh, and you know, but you know, maybe a B or a B plus, which at this stage I think is 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 decent. Uh, we'll have to see. Remember, Obamacare took 18 months. And before that, there wasn't a whole lot to speak of with that administration, whether you love it or hate it, right? Well, he got, sure. a, he got a sure. Nobel Peace Prize within like a month. Right? He did get a Nobel Peace yeah. Prize. Yeah. That, is, that is true. After, after, yeah, after being president for a month. I was nominated. Yeah, yeah. J- J- Jared was nominated. <laughs> for jet ski skills. <laughs> for jet ski skills, and he wrote a children's book about terrorism, which was really nice. Uh, really well received. Um, let, let me ask you this. Uh, w- w- do you think uh, Trump's relationship with Chuck and Nancy is as uh, 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 is it is it playing too close to the other side that you you could possibly lose your base for the next election? If he doesn't build a wall, if if some of the key promises from the campaign are are abandoned, now that's not delayed, right? If if it's delayed, then he might then the midterms might still be uh, reasonably positive for the Republicans. Uh, but if by term two there's any reason to believe that that he's abandoned the wall and that Trump has really changed and and has taken a, a triangulation, uh, you know, t- taking the approach that Clinton, uh, Bill Clinton, took of triangulation. You know, th- then you're going to have a problem. Uh, I think that it is possible for him to go too close, but keep in mind he's all along pushed some what are populist in in Democrat and Republican positions, right? So he's been supportive sure. of 
you know, he's been supportive of uh, infrastructure spending, huge infrastructure spending, actually. You know, they're looking at a trillion dollars, maybe, of infrastructure spending. So that's not something if you're a budget hawk or if you, if you think that the country uh, printing all this money, running up all these deficits is going to be a problem. That doesn't make you happy. Uh, he also, on protectionism, you know, that's where you get the Bernie Sanders-Trump crossover. So there's been that. That's been there from the beginning. So that's he can do that, and I don't think that his base is upset with him. I think that, that, that he loses the base or he gets a problem, and he's like, you know what? Everything I said about the wall and, and deporting and getting, you know, getting the bad dudes or whatever he says out. Ombres. Uh, that, the ombres out, yeah. Yeah, bad ombres. Thank you. It was bad yeah. ombres. Yep. Uh, when he decides yeah. That that's no longer the case. Then I think you're. Then I think you're going to see real defections from his base. Uh, and also, if he ever really warms up to the media, because I mean, they don't want him to have a failed presidency. They want him in prison. <laughs> they actually right. want him to go to jail. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. They 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 want the whole they want the whole kit and caboodle on on that guy. Um, yeah. Uh, did you happen to, to to check out Hillary's book by any chance? It's so funny. I'm just talking about that tonight on radio. Buck Sexton with America Now, by the way, available for all of you to listen on the iHeart app or on iTunes if you want to listen to the podcast. Plug your yes, heart sir. out, buddy. Plug your heart out, buddy. Yep. You know what I mean, man? Hey, Absolutely. Uh, I, and let me tell you, this morning I caught my beautiful girlfriend sneaking the last, I swear to God, true story, the last of my Black Rifle cold brew out of the fridge. She's like, sorry, late for work. And I was like, what? <laughs> so, I'm making more, but she's she's on the Black Rifle coffee train now, too, and uh, she's a little sneak because she stole the last on my BRC this morning. Um, but, you know, I, I think, uh, what was it? Gosh, what were they talking about before? Oh, yes. Uh, Hillary's book. Hillary's book, yeah. Uh, what what happens? Yeah, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to, yeah, she, she's, um, look, Hillary's a very interesting psychological study, right? At this point, what motivates her? Uh, at this point, what is there left for her to do? And the book is doing very well because I think people on both sides do want to see what her next act is, and that's what this is supposed to create. Yeah, right? I, 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 I read narrative. it. I, I read it, actually. Oh, you read it. I'm actually, I literally just bought it on Kindle, so I was going to talk tonight about how I'm going to have a review for everybody, but how's it going? Yeah, so I, look, look, I read the book, and to me, it was kind of a goodbye letter to politics. Um, she went after... St- so many people. Um, she, just, she just burned it. She just burned it to the ground. Uh, and then she had one sentence towards the end that was like, you know, at the end of the day, I'm the candidate and I really lost the election. It was like, all right, cool. But you spent 400 pages blaming everyone else uh, from Comey to Bern. I mean, she really goes after Bernie Sanders. That part's time. really funny to me that she went so hard after Bernie because she and and Wasserman Schultz and Donna Brazil kind of conspired to keep him out of the DNC. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Donna Brazil, who still runs the DNC now, by the way, who gave her the town hall questions before the town hall. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, whatever. Yeah, you're going to have a... I got I to tell you, you know, you, you asked, her, just going back to the CNN thing for a second, and hopefully no one from CNN is ever listening to this podcast. No, uh, they so definitely I, I don't. Remember, I remember, yeah, I'm not too worried about it. Yeah. Uh, the... Uh, the Bernie Sanders era of, of the primary, I remember, for whatever reason, they brought me in. I guess they just needed a, a, a token Republican. And I sat on some panel. It was after one of the Bernie-Hillary debates. And it was so fun because I got to sit there and be like, you know, Bernie is, you know, you guys should just embrace Bernie. He's the beating heart and soul of the Democrat Party right now. He is progressivism. He's got a real message. Hillary Clinton is a fake, a phony, a fraud, and we all know it, right? And you could see that, that there were all Hillary people, pretty much, that were on the panels. Because CNN was a, was a Hillary oh, network. Yeah. Right? Oh, I mean, absolutely. They, yeah, so, so you had all Hillary, and when I say Hillary people, I mean these are people who have connections to the Clintons, who think they're going to work in a Clinton administration, who are going to have connectivity to the White House when Hillary wins. So, I mean, they are not going to go against Hillary, but they also don't want to lose the progressive viewers at home who are pro Bernie people. So they had it's just so fun to make them to make them a little uncomfortable by being like, so we know that like Bernie is the real deal and Hillary's a giant phony, right? They're like, well <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't really want, they didn't know what to say. Yeah. Yeah, and and my going forward, my my thing with the the DNC is like, hey, instead of instead of protesting, instead of crying, instead of you know rigging all of these shows, why don't you come up with a candidate? Just figure out a good candidate who's yeah, going to no run shit. in twenty twenty, and spend <laughs> your energy on that versus uh, the rest of the the bullshit that is out there. And because right now, to me, they don't have a good candidate unless they're going to throw Bernie in there at, at the finals, the final seconds. Uh, what do you think about that? 
I, I mean, I think Bernie is a little is a little old for yes. uh, for this game at this point. So and, do I. And, but who uh, do they have left? Is the is the question? Well, they're they're gonna. Uh, you can see some of the, I think the early stage efforts. Um, Corey they, a guy. They're gonna have to convince Elizabeth Warren to give up her position as just being a progressive who gets to just you know parachute in whenever she wants, say whatever she wants, and and is in a very safe state in Massachusetts to to put herself up for a possible run. And all the scrutiny, everything that comes up. Because right now, she just gets to be on like the you know top ten most wonderful people in history list at like Bryn Mawr and Wellesley and Oberlin and all these places, right? So <laughs> right, right. It's not. It's, yeah, it's nice for her. I don't know if she's going to want to leave that to possibly lose to Donald Trump, right? Oh, no it, that that's a risk. The one that I, the one person that I do see them really preparing would be uh, Kamala Harris, yep. uh, who's the senator from California. Yeah. That's that's the next. They want to go back to having a, a female candidate, also a minority candidate. You know, it's right out of the identity politics playbook. Elevate her, raise her up as the next great, you know, hope of the Democrat Party, and see how that goes. That's what I think will happen. And then some yeah. random white guy in his sixties that happens to be a congressman. Yeah, ex- exactly. I, and to your to your uh, your Kamala Harris points, um, I, I'm in the, the the Hollywood circles, so I do a lot of films. Um, I do a lot of books and. It's, you know, all of them, all of Hollywood is li- liberal. And I got an email uh, from a, a gigantic producer. I'm not going to say who it is, but they're already prepping her with uh, with a luncheon, you know, uh, 500 bucks, take a picture, that type of thing. Um, so they're trying to, behind the scenes, see if, 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 uh, if she's going to bring in the donations and if she's going to fit in. With uh, with the Hollywood liberal side, uh, so, so so they're already going that route with her. And that on a previous show, that was my guess at who who they were going to uh, to put on that that pedestal. And I think you're right on that. Yeah, no, I, I mean, look from their perspective, it does it does actually make a lot make a lot of mm-hmm. sense. And look, the media is still uh, one of the problems they've had with Trump is that he proved that they don't actually get to dictate as much as they used to, and and that's upsetting to people who believe that. You know, journalism is the most important profession in the country, which I think most of the elite old school journalists uh, or elitist old school journalists do believe. Uh, but they still do have a lot of ability to shape opinions. And I mean, look, I mean, they, they convinced half the more than half the, of the voting population of the country that Hillary Clinton was a good choice and was really smart and was really ethical and honorable, right? I mean, that, that's a pretty amazing feat when you think about what the reality of Hillary Clinton was. Yeah. So. Yeah, you know, but, they they still. I mean, I always look at it that way. People say, "Oh, it's so amazing, Trump won." It is, but it's also kind of amazing that Hillary made it close, considering that under under normal circumstances, a non Clinton, uh, she does have to take a charge for those emails and that whole thing, right? I mean, that that is a that is an indictment that anybody else would would have to suffer under, and the fact that they bailed her out just goes to show you how powerful the machinery is. Yeah, it's 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 crazy to me. Um, but but to me that that Kamala Harris, she isn't likable. Did you watch those congressional hearings where she was asking questions and, and it she made yeah. it all about her and it didn't. It, it was like Comey and those guys might as well not even been there. Um, it was like, hey, I'm I'm about to run for president and and here's my time. Did it feel like that to you? I I think that with with Harris. They're 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 going to create it. They're going to create a storyline around her, and they're going to make sure that they convince everybody who wants to be thought of as progressive and cool and with it that uh, Kamala Harris is again again the next the next great thing for the Democrat Party, uh, regardless of what the reality is. I mean, you know, Hillary Clinton is now I think people will at least admit it. Some Democrats will admit it is a deficient politician. She's not someone who appeals to folks you know she's not good at shaking hands and kissing babies and all that stuff but they put her up there anyway and they you know she was breaking the glass ceiling she was the she had the experience the golden resume all this kind of stuff they'll do the same thing with harris and i think they have a younger more appealing candidate in harris than they did in clinton and so you know that, that gets them to 50 50 percent of the vote basically right so it's right. a question of that last uh, you know one or two percentage two points sure. that they need and, and that's where they think that they can probably make it happen but again who knows man i mean trump you know with the way things are going now maybe trump's going to be like you know what like pence she's a little too straight laced for me and uh he's, he's not fun so let's get somebody else in here maybe we'll bring in kamala harris we'll have like a cross-party ticket i mean i'm just saying it's the crazier <laughs> things that happen given what i'm hearing these days man that would be uh, you want to talk about shocking the world 
That would definitely shock the world. Um, I mean, you get Chuck Schumer saying that Trump likes him, right? I mean, this is, you know, this yeah. is a different, we're, we're in a crazy universe right now. Yeah, they caught him on a hot mic on C-SPAN the other day. I was shocked, and Chuck Schumer seemed stoked about it. Like the, like the cool kid in school was, was telling the nerd, like, hey, man, we're actually buddies. Yeah, I know. It's weird. It's a crazy world, man. I, I don't know. What, I don't know what's going to happen. The good thing about political analysis now is that anyone who tells you what Trump is going to do, I don't care what their access is. I don't care if they're in the room with Trump twenty four hours a day. They don't know because <laughs> Trump doesn't know because it is evolving every day. So the good news is that everyone's opinions are kind of valid in a sense because nobody knows. Yeah, yeah, that's true. No, no one, no one really knows day to day. To me, it's exciting. At least I wake <laughs> up every day and I, and I check Twitter, check Judge Report, and uh, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to find there. So it makes every day exciting, at least. Absolutely. Um, by the way, on the, I never even told you guys on, on the uh, the radio side. If I could switch gears for a second, how that all happened. Yeah. Just yeah. for those who are, those who are, are wondering, they're like, how'd you get into radio? No one ever came to me and said, um, you know, why don't you do radio? I just had listened to, to Rush and, and to Sean uh, over, over a period of years, and so was familiar with talk radio and liked it, and I thought it would be uh, worth giving a shot to. So I worked at The Blaze for 15 months. I did six days a week. So Monday through Friday, it was writing and TV, and then on Saturday, I did a three-hour radio show for free on my own time. Uh, and managed to grow an audience with it and, and do well enough with it that they then moved me to their live stream during the week. And then I filled in for Glenn, that went well, then Sean Hannity, that went well, then Rush Limbaugh. And then Rush Limbaugh kept me as one of his uh, fill-ins, his uh, fill-ins for his show whenever he was out for a few years. Uh, and then from there, Premier, which is the company that syndicates Rush, picked me up and, and made me my own. You know, I, I'm now a syndicated host on my own. Um, but... It's it, radio. I mean, you, you mentioned three hours. I can tell you that for me, at least in terms of energy and hours in, hours out, radio is the hardest by far. And TV is the easiest and the one that people are most overpaid for. Yeah, because you can at least cut to commercials. Do you do you have commercials in your show at all? Do I do I do commercials? Yeah, no. no. Do, are, are commercials cut into your show, or, or is it just a, a straight three hours of you? Oh no no there there are commercials for sure I mean I, have, look I at least you, yeah, out. That's, that's what I was gonna say so at least you have cutaways like where I watch Joe Rogan go for three and a half hours a day and I'm like man is it the weed how is he going that long every single day <laughs> wait he goes three and a half hours oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah yeah yes it looks sometimes longer yeah he will he will just power like it's crazy it's absolutely crazy. Like we're we're no commercial breaks, no nothing. So it's it's a straight three and a half where you're there. Are no gaps, no nothing, and you're like, man, um, I didn't know if yours yours was the same. But uh, yeah, that's it, look. Radio is a hard gig because because again, you've got to keep people talking. You got to keep people interested. And sometimes these guests are, are like pulling teeth. I'm it's sure awful. you've had that, right? Yeah, I try to limit my guests as as a result of that. I, I say that oftentimes guests are like babysitting and some of the worst guests that you have are the ones who are just like well you know i'm a recognizable name so people are just going to want to listen to me wax on about politics and journalists a lot of them have that have that attitude believe it or not uh and what's funny is that just because maybe you're a columnist for a, a reputable paper doesn't mean that you're good on radio it doesn't mean that what you have to say is compelling it doesn't mean you're good at keeping an audience's interest so i limit the guests uh, and i i find that also a nice thing about radio is that there's nowhere to hide. Look, on TV, you know, if you're – the nice way to – like the way to say it so that you don't get sued, right, is, is, is a compelling visual. Sure. Um, but as you can imagine, there are lots of folks who are on TV because they're a more compelling visual. Uh, and or, or, or the other code word way of saying it is good on TV, which is usually a way of saying that, you know, depending on whether you're male or female, that the uh, folks of the opposite sex enjoy watching you on TV. Um in radio, you have none of that. It's just your content, and it's your engagement with the audience. And I think that that's there's something really pure about that. And there's also it's just harder to be a phony. I mean, you can't show up uh, and do three hours of radio and not have done your homework and and uh, think that it's going to be okay. Yeah. Uh, it's not. And your and if your audience is, I mean, my audience is full of crazy smart people. So they'll catch even little minor things, right? They're like, fuck, you're kind of mailing it into them, that last thing that you really, you know, I mean, they're really on me about it. So I'm, 
I'm, I got to bring it every day. TV, it's like, oh, yeah, bring on a guest. I mean, look, look at, like, uh, Morning Joe, right? I mean, the guy looks like he just blew in off the beach at Nantucket, you know? He's just like, <laughs> hey, like, wearing, like, a pink sweater and, like, let's, hey, Mika, what's going on there, honey? You know? And then he's just yeah, like, yeah. Like, he's just hanging out, right? I mean, he's just hanging out, basically. It's true. It's absolutely true. Well, listen, Buck, we appreciate you having uh, you, you being on the show. Can you, why don't you tell the audience where, where we can find all of your stuff? Oh, fantastic. Thank you. Uh, well, uh, the best way is if, if you're, in, I mean, there, I'm in a hundred markets, but for those listening, I don't know if you're listening in a market where I currently have uh, terrestrial radio, but you can go to uh, com and there's a stream. You can just listen on the stream whenever you want. If you want to listen on demand, you go on iTunes and type in Buck Sexton with America now, and you can subscribe to the podcast totally free. Uh, you will hear some phenomenal reads for um a wonderful company known as Black Rifle Coffee. Yeah, which, yeah. Which, yeah, that's right. Um, and uh, that's those are the best. Or the iHeart app, which is an app that lets you listen to not just me, but radio stations all over the country. So the iHeart app is something on your smartphone that you can listen. And I'm 6 to 9 Eastern, uh, and that's how you can listen. So awesome. there you go. Awesome, Bucky. And what about your social media? Do you have Instagram, yeah, Instagram. Twitter, Facebook? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, Buck Sexton on Instagram and Twitter and uh, Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton on that one. So there you go. Awesome, man. Hey, we greatly appreciate you being here. Uh, one of the most fascinating guests we've had. Ladies and gentlemen, Buck Sexton. Thank you again. Thanks so much, guys. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. 